week 13 of the NFL season, another week closer to the Super Bowl in Vegas as we enter the month of December of Pro Football Ireland, Ireland's biggest, Ireland's best NFL podcast network presented by 888 Sport, the official betting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Michael McQuaid, delighted to be joined by not only Con McKilty pudding lover Jason Hayes, but also the most hated man in the Miami Dolphins fan zone in Ireland and the UK at the moment, Mark Hogan. Mark, <laughs> that's a nice uh, intro yeah who knew the uh, Dolphins fans were militant but uh, they certainly are I guess it makes me worried because we're also talking about a quite a militant fan group <laughs> on this podcast today so uh, let's see how this one goes yeah definitely not putting that as a title of this video and I hope now after all the crack on social media the Dolphins get to the Super Bowl I pray to Jesus it happens <laughs> um, how's the Wi-Fi down in car good we're doing our best. If I'm just like answering the wrong question or just don't respond during this podcast, you know what's happened anyway. But uh, yeah, we'll blow on true. Uh, before we get on to this week's topics, Thursday seen the first year of Pro Football Ireland. One year in, um, I put a video up on social media talking about how close it was to walking away last year from the NFL in Ireland in general. I'm glad I didn't. It's been a great year. And not to reverberate or to continue to repeat certain topics just a massive thanks to not only these boys in this podcast and uh, mark and jason but also every, everyone has been a part of pro football ireland the monday morning football team michaela connor the college football team dara connell michael different guys and league girls that have joined us over the last year including sound engineers audio production experts and also different people in different platforms that have worked for us over the last year it's been an incredible year and we very much look forward to continuing to maximize the current situation in Ireland with the NFL Global Markets Programme and other avenues as well. And big thanks as well to either the sports and also people that listen to this podcast and didn't walk away. Whatever, it could have been very, very easy to do. So let me know in the genuine way. Uh, before we start off, Mark, Limerick, Jeff Reinbold's Limerick date has changed to the AFC Championship. Sunday, Jeff will be doing a play-by-play with me for at least one hour before I get up the road because it's four and a half hours away but also a live show prior to that. So for people interested in getting to that, limktr.ee slash NFL Ireland or slash Rainbow. And where you've got Belfast flying like hotcakes, Dublin sold out, Cork sold out, Limerick's flying, Dungannon is 60% sold at the minute, Darien, the locker going, Gaul is going nicely. It's an exciting time to be an NFL fan in Ireland. Uh, particularly Dungannon, when I saw the Dungannon date announced I was like I must get up the road except for we're going to Las Vegas the next day that's no I have not been to Dungannon before it was the old the old capital of Ulster here do you know when we go to like the different events and we try and ask non-NFL fans to answer NFL questions I'd say that Dungannon would you got that voice in the back there I don't know how they I don't know. They won't know how they're after ending up with this. They just heard there was an event on in what? What is it? The local town hall, is it? <laughs> no, it's in. Um, basically, it's hard to explain. There's like a a heritage to the O'Neills, the former king, former kings of Ulster, uh, Hugh O'Neill, Earl of Tyrone. I'm led to believe he is, but he was. He's not alive anymore anyway. But basically, Dungannon's on a massive hill. And at the top of the hill, there is this place where we're going to be at. And then there's a lovely little bar where pints of Guinness are only £3.90 a pint, which I know you boys aren't really used to. So we're very excited for that. And Jason, uh, are, are you now tempted to go to Limerick for this AFC Championship night? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, it's only a well, wouldn't say. I'll be up there definitely. That'd be some experience um, to watch the game alongside Jeff. Just up in Dungannon, Jeff might need a translator. Mick, you might want to organise that um, for for the fan I questions think, anyway. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, for people listening on the podcast and they're they have tickets to the Limerick event. We may not have announced this yet. It will be changing from the 19th of January until Sunday the 28th of January. That will be announced on social media over the next few days. So don't be alarmed if you haven't heard yet. And um, if you have any issues with that, please do reach out to us and let us know. Hopefully you'll still be able to come there. We're going to start earlier. We're going to obviously have that game as well. It'll probably be Mark's Dolphins against uh, the Chiefs at this point. But we'll, 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 we will see the crack. Um, and appreciate Jeff for his support. And just a massive thanks to everybody for their support. And if you thought that Mark Hogan pissing a fan base off wasn't enough, well, this is an interesting topic. The Dallas Cowboys just had an incredible game against the Washington Commanders last week. And we can sit here and we can say that the Cowboys are now going into the final stretch of the regular season market. We're going to say that they're going to play real teams or next level teams. I'm sorry, it's the NFL. They beat the Commanders. They whooped their ass on Thanksgiving. They've won good games, but more so, they look so, so confident. They have a point differential of a hundred, plus 162. That's ridiculous. Are they for real, or are they just beating up in bad teams? What a topic, Mark, to start off with here. Oh, my God. Yeah, geez, um, they're a great team, and their fan base is even nicer. What a bunch of sweet people. I suppose that's the short answer. The better answer, though, is I do think they're for real, but I do think that you can acknowledge that they have definitely beat up on bad teams. Like you talk about that points differential, 40 to nothing against the Giants, 30 to 10 against the Jets, 38 to three against the Patriots. Like there's massive scores in there, 49 to 17 against the Giants. Like they have put up massive scores, but then when I'm listing off those defenses, Giants, Patriots, Giants, Panthers, Commanders, like, yeah, they, that was a nice tune-up games. But when it came down to it, the 49ers and the Eagles and the Cardinals, maybe a bit of an outlier, it was 42-10 to 10 against the 49ers. Um, I had to go back and watch that game just because obviously we're doing this. And it's like, it was 14 to nothing before the Dallas Cowboys picked up a first down. Like, they got really behind. And that was the game that was billed as, we're going out to get revenge on the team that's knocked us out of the playoffs twice. So it's like, they are a legitimate team. But you do have to see them beat them. And I suppose we keep on joking about this Miami Dolphins thing. For anyone that hasn't seen, I put out a triggering... Um, graphic that just showed that the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins haven't beaten a team with a serious record. The only decent team, really good team in there, I suppose you could say, is the Denver Broncos, who at the time when the Miami Dolphins beat them by 70 points, weren't the same team. And why I think it's worth acknowledging is not for any kind of, oh, they can't beat a good team, but it's because of something that James Scale said on one of the James Scale on NFL podcast recently. Those storylines do affect players. He said in the All-Ireland, they knew 1989 was the last time the Galway Herders had won in All-Ireland. So when you're going into a, a big match the whole time, that hangs over you just like the rugby lads know that Irish rugby hasn't won a quarterfinal. So the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, whether someone on Twitter tells me otherwise or not, I was in the press conference. He did say that they're well aware of these narratives and going into those big games down the stretch, it'll hang over the Dallas Cowboys as well that they do have a gauntlet of games. I mean, next up, they play the Seahawks, who are going to limp into that game. One time they were doing well, but over the last four games, they're one and three now. But after that, they do have the Lions, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Eagles in December. So 
yeah, I hope they've they've gotten these wins in place because they're going to like it's it's about confidence. You 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 said it teeing it up there, Michael. There's a lot of t- confidence going, and we might mention some of the players. I, I want to let Jason into talk as well, but it, you can be a legitimate team, but still, like Ireland in the rugby, they're a legitimate team, but they still on the massive day have an asterisk that they themselves have to get over. You don't want to compare. You don't want to annoy the Cowboys fans in Ireland. I'm like a part of the Irish team. I mean, look, I do this every year. I, I do this every year. I done it on my former outlet. I was searching it up the other day. Don't ask me why. And the first tweet came up was me basically saying I think the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl. And do you know? I think a lot's changed, Jason, in the last couple of years, but more so it's the evolution and it's the confidence that Doc Prescott has. He. As of right now, leads the NFL touchdown passes by 23 on the season. Since the bye week, he's averaged nearly 1,900 yards total across those games with an average of over 300 yards per game. But it's just when you're watching his play, Jason, they look just like they've talked that step up. And I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, they've played Sam Howell and the Commanders, but you can only play the teams that you're meant to play. And I can't wait for next week when they play Philly. I cannot wait because if the Cowboys, and this is obviously being recorded prior to Thursday Night Football, Jason, but if the Cowboys went and beat Philadelphia, that turns the whole season around. The whole season on its head, frankly. I don't think they're being given enough respect this year so far, personally. What do you reckon, Jason? I mean, they brought the Eagles to the wire a couple of weeks ago. They were, what, a yard short from um, taking that game, so... I think it's such fine margins in the NFL and it's just kind of crazy how these storylines develop. A yard, bounce a ball here or there, a toe, an inch in bounds or an inch out of bounds can be the difference between winning and losing. I don't think it's fair to say you're a bad team because those games haven't gone the Cowboys' way this year. Um, You know, if you were to strip every team of their name and they're all wearing blank jerseys and you're objectively looking at these teams on the field, I think people will be speaking a lot higher um, about the Cowboys but because it is the Cowboys and they've had a few years in the past um, re- in recent seasons where they haven't delivered when it matters most in December and January I think it's natural that these storylines are going to develop I mean just look at the Chiefs this year who lost to a, an at the time struggling Broncos team uh, the Eagles lost to the Jets these big teams are given a pass for those type of losses because they've gotten to the Super Bowl recently and they've Proven that they can do it. Much like Ireland in the World Cup, as Mark said, is that they haven't done it and they haven't actually proven they can do it. We all know they're capable. It's just a case of doing it and putting these storylines to bed. But I I 100% think they, uh, they're being overlooked right now in terms of being a serious threat. You can't just look back at one game where they're blown out against the 49ers. NFL is a weird place. You can't, that can happen in a season to good teams if you don't show up and you're playing a good team it can get out of hand quick but since that game the team is looking and Prescott Michael you mentioned a few stats there he's completing 70% of his passes he's at 18 touchdowns and 122 passer rating since that week 6 loss against the 49ers uh, and you've Darren Bland as well the quarterback who's nicely stepped in for uh, Trevon Diggs He's uh, quite bizarrely, he has five touchdowns. You want to be living under a rock not to have heard that record being broken this past week. But he's quarterbacks who are targeting Bland have a negative four touchdown 
um, differential. So he's he's got five touchdowns and his receivers have won, basically, which is just mind-boggling. So they've had some look fantastic performances in offense and defense. I think they're a serious threat. And to be honest, this might be a bit controversial, but I, I want to give Mike McCarthy a shout-out because he's a coach who's not really talked highly of across the league. But with the Cowboys now, he already has 12 wins in two of his three seasons with them. Um, they're looking like they could easily hit that total again this year. And I was writing an article actually in the off-season about Sean Payton when he was visiting teams and seeing where he'd end up. And I was looking at some of those coaches who've been in the game long-term and have had proven success. And people will take it away to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, of course. But at the end of the day, he's had a lot of success everywhere he's gone. And if he can bring Cowboys into a deep playoff run who knows they can win a Super Bowl and I think we'll be looking at Mike McCarthy the head coach as an all time great certainly you know he's won Super Bowl with two different franchises not many people have done that um, so it's just they, there's a lot on the line and they have a lot they'll have no shortage of ambition and um, fuel to drive them into this playoff but it is a mental hurdle and we'll see if they can overcome it Mark coming in the week 13 this week how far the Cowboys going to go this season as a, if we if we rewind, I think they'll I th- I think they'll obviously make the play the postseason. They're only the only legitimate threat um, for a wildcard space anyway. But I just have to preface it by saying this time last year we were writing the same story. We were saying that they're after getting around the Cooper Rush and um, what four game fill in five game for Dak Prescott. Dak, Dak Prescott was after coming back and getting off wins against the Giants and getting off wins against the Vikings. And I suppose it's that. It's just so similar always with the Cowboys. A bit like the Chargers can't win. We know that the Cowboys are going to be competing, but it's just how far that they can go. And that's why we're just holding them to an extra high, you know, um, level of competitiveness here. We're not just talking them in terms of, like I have them above the lines. I was ready to move them up into number, number two of the power rankings if the Philadelphia Eagles were to drop a game. Like I, I do genuinely believe them. Um, since that loss to the 49ers, CeeDee Lamb has had multiple 100-yard games. I think he had four straight 100-yard games. The last couple, he hasn't eclipsed 100 yards, but he has a, had a touchdown in both. He's already over 1,000 yards for the season. Isn't he the leading, or third leading, um, yeah, third leading receiver in the NFL? So, like, a lot is being put onto C.D. Lamb, obviously. Tony Pollard, he's had his best couple of games just gone by in terms of yards per carry, which... It's definitely very promising and you need to see that out of him. Obviously, for years, he was the number two with Ezekiel Elliott. It was all put on him. So it's good, but he obviously was off to a sluggish start at the start of the year. So you're hoping it's running into this December form, but, you know, if that good, drops um, off any bit. Good good pla- pass blocker as well, Pollard. He's really come on in that regard. I think that's important to shout out because that has been a part of his game as a smaller running back that's you know the coaches might be hesitant to use him as that full time guy but I think he's really excelled in that regard which has allowed him to to excel as a runner through his first nine games he was averaging 3.9 yards per attempt but his last couple he's been 5.1 and 6.1 so it is way up there but again it was against Carolina and Washington who who don't have stout run defences so it's they can go very far obviously but it's they did like we're not talking about the Dallas Cowboys getting into the playoffs here. We're talking about them. Can they win the NFC, essentially? And that's why, look, it's this is supposed to be the start of their gauntlet. But like I said, the Seahawks aren't going to be a massive 
um, threat for them. To be perfectly honest, if anyone wants to bet in this game, you should probably take Tony Pollard to hit 61 yards because they've been giving up ground yards the last couple of weeks. Um, Royce Freeman, the week before that, I think it was 135 or 50 yards to Christian McCaffrey. So it's like, we should see a good performance out of Tony Pollard. But, you know, it is that massive gauntlet then. You know, the Bills, they can win, but the Eagles, the Dolphins, Detroit... I don't know exactly what weeks those are over, but you know, if there's a knock in confidence, if you lose three of those four or something going into the playoffs, it's like that's when that nasty narrative happens. So it's good to be getting ahead of it and saying that we are confident in them. But it's um it's all about late January for me with the Cowboys. I mean, like let's see what happens over the next two weeks. Obviously, we'll talk about the Eagles and the Niners in a bit. Eagles, Cowboys next week. It, fe- it feels like the next 14 days are obviously going to be big in the NFL, but it feels like sort of the shifting of the plates in certain situations. So let's see what happens. Let's talk about the NFC South. What a topic to talk about here. So, uh, Mark, are we just going what... I'm joking, by the way. Are we just going <laughs> what, what team won't win it? Because I know I've got the Saints, but uh, do you want to pop off first there? It's the funniest thing because when I do my power rankings, I've just been staying away and staying away and staying away from the NFC South because it's almost like I've bookmarked them knowing that if I ever don't have something to say, I have plenty to say about the NFC South because it was teed up this year that they don't have to play a gauntlet of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, that they had the easiest strength of schedule of any team. We even teed this up in our season preview saying who would be the NFC North of this year that has an easy schedule and maybe goes into the <laughs> into the playoffs with a, an inflated record and they can't even take advantage of it, Michael. It's absolutely outrageous. I was looking into it and in terms of the NFC, obviously the Falcons sit right now as the fourth seed but they're the 13th highest scoring team there. So it's like Make make that make sense for me. Like, they can't put up points. And then who have they beaten? And I actually will be focusing on the Falcons, but I'm still kind of just teeing this up for us. But it's like, they've just beaten up on the division. They've had one good win now against the Texans, I have to say. and But then it was like a one-point win against the Packers and then a three-point game against the, the Bucks. It's... I don't think we can offend anyone by saying the NFC South isn't strong because I have a buddy who's a big Saints fan and he will say himself, he's like, how the hell are we so deep in this playoff race? And just just to jump on that, while we before we go into our talk here about the NFC side, obviously over the week, we see the situation where Frank Reich lost his job with the Panthers. We've seen the owner of the Panthers get a lot of flack uh, in regards to that there. I feel like it is a bit of a show in Carolina, but I tell you what, for all the crap that David Tepper's getting by people writing articles that want to make a quick book and just want to talk about how bad the situation is, Sorry, not sorry. He made a decision. He made a decision. He's messed up before. He's made a decision to pull the <laughs> I argue with Jeff Reinbold about this on, on his podcast this week. He doesn't agree with me at all. Thinks I'm wrong. But I, I stand by what he's done there. It wasn't working. Move on. Move on now while you've got the chance. But the funny thing is, the biggest mistake he made was not bringing in Steve Wilkes. Remember the situation? I think Steve Wilkes won, what, six and six? Five and five, I think, the end of season, last season. There is still a scenario in which the Panthers could still be alive for the NFC South. The Falcons lose four out of the last six, the Saints lose four out of the last six, and the Bucks lose three out of the last six, and the Panthers win six. If they win their last six games, they can still win. I thought I saw that they were eliminated. They can still win the NFC South while that happens. That's a disgrace, and that shows you how messed up the NFC South is. I'm going to just quickly talk about the Saints here. 
I'm going to sum them up, sum them up in one word. Crap. There's no other way to say it. The Dennis Allen era in New Orleans has been a monumental failure. They have the easiest schedule in the league and they're sitting five and six. Yes, their defense at times has been solid, but their offense is not good enough. And I've been very, very disappointed to see how Derek Carr has played so far this year in New Orleans. They like they oh, excuse me, Lamps have sitting here. They have like go up against a Detroit Lions team this week in which they're big underdogs, even at home. And the reality is the Lions are coming off a hammer in last week on Thanksgiving, and they're going to be riled up for this game. Yes, the Saints have got a realistic path forward in terms of one of the NFC staff, but when you've got injuries, um, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Shahid may not play this week. I think that's a major issue. I don't think Dennis Allen survives Black Monday. And even if they win even if they win the NFC South, I think it's a failure because at the moment they're not going to get past the, the wild card round or the divisional round, sorry. I just don't see them getting past the wild card at a situation where the, the where the division is that poor, but more so the way that they have played consistently over the season so far. They haven't been effective enough in the offense. And I just don't see it clicking anytime soon. I think it's a major issue for them. But there's no way in hell the Saints are not winning the healthy side. I'm going to say that the Falcons with B. John Robinson finally get a goal. We've seen a bit of it last week. I'll take, at the moment, I'll take the, Fal- I'll take the Falcons to win the healthy side. Yeah, well, I was supposed to say that the Falcons weren't to win it, but the caveat is, we said, will it take a winning record to win the NFC South? And that's where I was like, well, I'll, maybe I'll make the case then. <laughs> so it, it, they stand at, um, what, five and six right now. So they would have to go four and two the rest of the way to reach nine and eight, which is their winning record. That's what we're holding ourselves to account here. Don't say that one of these teams has to win it, so we can't all um, say that we're going to be right. So 4-2, they have the easiest schedule remaining. Say they go 3-0 in the division, which they are right now. They've beaten them. Um, actually, I, I should say, they turn the ball over like crazy. That is Desmond Ritter's problem, but it hasn't cost them against the division so far. They turned it over. He had two interceptions against the Saints in the weekend gone by. They obviously won that. Three fumbles against Tampa Bay earlier on in the year. They still won that. They fumbled against the Panthers in week one, or he did, Desmond Ritter did, and they still won that. So they could go 3-0, and but then it becomes interesting. They'll have the Colts in week 16. The Colts could well be in the playoff rate, so you can't give them that. Then they'll be playing the Bears, who have the best run defense, and you know that the the Falcons need the run game to be working for that to all work out. So in week 13, which is this week, dare I say, the whole winning record comes down to this one against the New York Jets, who have an absolutely miserable run defense. Just give, give the ball. I said in the power rankings, it was his first, B. John Robinson's first, 100-yard back-to-back game that we just had. We saw Tyler Algier late in the game really have to kind of not take over, but it was a great uh, change of pace. And Cordero Patterson was back. He's getting more usage. The two of them at over 60 yards each. That kind of run game is what they've been missing, uh, feeding B. John Robinson. Obviously, now is the time to do it. Stop saying that he's a rookie. We're into December. This is when, you know, after Thanksgiving, that's when rookies can have their time. Um, they have to get the win against the Jets they're two and a half point favourites going to MetLife this weekend if they're to re- have any chance and that's sweeping the division from here on out and then I'm just saying that the um, the Bears run game might win them that game and then the Colts so it's possible they probably are the favourites but Desmond Ritter just like come playoff time like 
whoever wins this division is going to be playing the runner-up in the NFC East. Like, what's this all for? If you look at the, and just Jason to bring you into this as well, like the Desmond Ritter stats last week on paper is another prime example of people that watch the games, watch tape, watch coaches tape, and then just look at the numbers and bluff their way through a conversation. Desmond Ritter showed signs last week of true play. He no passing touchdowns on the day, but I actually like it, like his play and like the potential progression that he could make in the league. I just feel like the Falcons are probably going to be the standout for the NFC South, but who have you got in this whole conversation? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about Buccaneers, who have quite a frustrating team to watch this year, to be honest. I, I feel like in my mind they're a good, they're a proper red zone team, as in Scott Hansen's red zone, where they'll pop up with some class highlights, Mayfield making some magic plays happen, Mike Evans catching touchdowns and you think they're doing well and they're just losing games regardless every week you know they they do have, funny thing about them they're 4-7 now but when they do win it seems to be quite comfortable three of those wins are um, by 10 or more points against the Titans Saints and Bears hardly quality opposition and then they had a close one against the Vikings in week one of the season but when the games get close and they're battling back and forth I just do not trust them to get it done at all They've had too many close calls now where they've faltered in the fourth quarter when it matters most. And just looking at this past week against the Colts, the de- the defence made a great stop to give Baker the ball back with about two minutes left in the game. They were down seven points. They had a chance to go and drive and in the first series, sacked for a fumble. And you just never really believed that they were going to get it done. A couple of drives before that, the Buccaneers were 10 points down and the offense had a great drive, cut the deficit to three points, and then the defense goes and gives up a 75-yard touchdown drive on the next series. They just aren't really playing complimentary football. They're not. The defense isn't bailing out the offense. Isn't getting it done when they're given those opportunities late in the game, because the defense has been solid, even you know, struggling with some injuries, as most teams in the, in the league are this year. Um, but I just don't have faith that they'll get to the playoffs to be honest and here's a little bold prediction you just ran through the faults of all three of those teams and the Panthers have already fired Frank Reich I think all four head coaches of the NFC South could be fired when this year is out even someone who limps into the playoffs because even a team who makes the playoffs we've all seen uh, how much they've been struggling they sh- there should be a team running out ahead in this division uh, and locking it up and the fact that nobody is um, I think we'll see Todd Bowles, Dennis Allen, um, and uh, Arthur Smith all on all on the way out this year. To be honest, and we'll have a whole new set of coaches going into twenty twenty four season. That'll do us for a month of podcasts in March. That is that is such a miserable thought because you know the change that happens when you go with a new head coach, there's new quarterbacks, and then there could be new GMs and everything. These aren't the strongest rosters to begin with, like. We went into it so weak into last offseason. We were saying anyone that that division is there for the taking. Anyone can go out and win it, but like no one actually got any better. Really on paper, it's like you're saying that the heavy. That's that's such a good call. That is, I hadn't even it hadn't even crossed my mind, but that seems more than obvious. That's. Um... I, I think it's um, it's just funny as well because we had a, a conversation a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago at this stage talking about potential new head coaches. And we were saying maybe there won't be too many openings, not as much as last year, but I think after this last month, there could be 
you know, eight, nine, ten openings in the offseason.